about me. It's the me show. <laughs> Welcome to Awesome with Allison. And I guess Eric too. I'm Allison. <laughs> and I got Eric over there. And our only goal with this podcast is to help you feel more awesome each time you listen. That's it. That's the only goal. Whether it's by laughing at us, usually me, laughing with us, or learning something new and helpful, we hope you feel a tad more empowered, lightened up, and awesome than you did before. I am here in Pleasant Picture Studios with the one, the only, the sexiest. Today he's wearing a red hat, black t-shirt, blue jeans. (laughs) 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 Mr. Eric Robertson. I'm wearing my uniform. That is. Tell people how many of those black t-shirts you bought the other day. I bought three. He bought three. Speaking of black t-shirts, my good friend Susan Peterson of Freshly Picked, I went into her closet the other day. She had literally like 20 black t-shirts hanging in a row. I respect that very much. Yeah, because it's their she's uniform. Using, she's using her decision power for other things besides her shirts. Yes. Well, and that is something that we've talked about that when if, if it suits you and the type of life that you want to lead when you only have one type of clothing you wear, it saves your juice. Yeah, I love it. It saves your power. I love it. (laughs) Hey, welcome. Thank you for being here. (sighs) It just feels better when you're here listening to the (laughs) podcast. I wish that you were cuddled up under two blankets with me and we just were snuggling and nuzzling, making you feel like slightly uncomfortable, but then also at the same time comforted with my love and affection. I just wanted to paint a visual. I Um, wanted to paint a visual for people. I mean, it is the season to cuddle. Yeah, just some snuggle time. I feel like you, yes, you who's listening right now to episode 37, I feel like you're the type of person that if we were sitting next to each other, I really would just like nuzzle up against you. And if that makes you feel uncomfortable, well, so be it. We are very, very thankful to have you for episode 37. We are being dead serious with this episode. It is tongue-in-cheek, but we are being dead serious. And it is six easy ways to make yourself miserable. How did we get the idea for this? We were at City Creek and we were laughing about, I don't know, you did something. I I was doing something that was making me miserable. Yeah, that's guaranteed. You know what's going to happen there. Yeah. (laughs) And and, and then I had the idea. I thought that'd be so funny to do an episode about how to make yourself miserable by known ways that we've done. Yes, exactly. And so, so many of our episodes are ways to own it. And I don't even know what we talk about. What else do we talk about? Ways to take your game to the next level. And we'll share easy ways or steps or ideas, things that we have experience with. And we go back and forth and Eric will share his and I'll share mine. And so we thought we would do the same thing with ways that we make ourselves miserable. The whole intention of this is these are really easy, easy, common ways to make yourself miserable. So as we share our experience and things we've done and still do when we're not being aware of ways to just drag our happiness, our awesomeness, our potential for putting goodness into the world, dragging those down a few levels by doing this, I want you to ask yourself, hmm, is that something I do too? The reason why I think it's not only fun, but also important that we share is sometimes I think that we really believe that what we're doing is just unique to us. And when other people share their experience, it helps us realize, oh, wow, that's something I'm doing as well. Or that's a situation that I could definitely change in. So as always, I think the most useful way to use these episodes are to think about something that is happening in your life right now. Like today, right this minute, it doesn't have to be some big abstract thing and listen to our six ways to make yourself miserable and ask yourself, am I doing any one of those things? So we're going to get into that and I'm super excited about it. But first, I wanted to share with you, as you know, we don't have any actual technical sponsors of the podcast because that's not the model that we're going for right now. But guess who the sponsor is today? It's me! (laughs) 
<laughs> no one guessed it. So this episode is brought to you by my two new audio courses. And this is the last week to get them at the introductory price. And it's the last week to get them for a while. So I have two new audio courses and you can find them at allisonsbrandschool.com. That's Allison with one L. And they are all about how to build your empire. And here's the best part about these courses now is they've been out for about two weeks. This is the last week they're on sale, November 17th. By the time you hear the podcast, you'll have one day left. You'll have a couple days. Yeah. You'll have a couple days to get these courses. But the best part is, is that people have now purchased the courses and not only have they purchased them, they've finished them. Because the whole point, I spend so much money on courses because I believe they're so important in order to grow as a person, in order to grow as a business. But what happens with most of the courses I purchase is I don't finish them because they're hard to digest. I'm busy. I've got other things going on. This is making me so happy that not only are people loving the courses, finding value from the courses and obsessed with the courses, they're finishing the courses and getting started. I just got a direct message from a cute girl saying, hey, love the courses. I've already reached out to three awesome brands and gotten yeses and have three things that I'm excited to be working on. She got the courses like a week ago and she's already implementing things from the courses to reach out with people to start making changes that she wants to make in her business and in her life. That's got to feel good. It's got to feel so good. I wish I had her name. I'm going to pull up her name because... Oh, Practical and Pretty on Instagram. She's going to send me a little review, so I'm going to share that. But I just was so excited to get that direct message today of somebody already taking the knowledge and implementing it. And you know, that's what we hope for the podcast too, that you're listening, you're driving around, you're walking around. We're not just talking to be fun and entertaining. If that's all it is to you, great. And the thing that touches me the most is reading the podcast reviews and hearing from people in person when they say, I implemented these things and made change. Because I can't think of a greater gift. I can't think of a better thing to be doing. Honestly, if people are making positive change in their life, that positively impacts the world. So that's true with the podcast. It's also true with my audio courses. I'm going to share a couple of reviews from those later in the episode that people have sent me. I'm so excited to share those with you. But if you're interested, you've only got a couple days, go to allisonsbrandschool.com. Now let's get into some segments because it has been a while since we've done Nobody Cares About Your Kids. Am I doing this one? Yeah, because you're better at them. Am I? I don't know. You're fun. I don't know. We like to praise our children and not for like their accomplishments, but just the fact that they exist. And so we had a, we had a short, <laughs> we had a short moment with our little boy, Rad. He's four. And I can't remember. We were in the car, right? Yeah. It was just us. For some reason, we just had him and we were just telling him how much we love him. And we said, Rad, we are so glad that you are in our family. And he sat for a second. And he goes, yeah. And I'm so glad that zombies are fake. Just... <laughs> <laughs> That's his little brain. It re- He's always about Halloween creatures. He's really into ghouls right now, trying to figure out what they do. Ghouls? Yeah, he's really into ghouls. Are you sure he's not just into girls? I mean, he's into those. He's, he's, he's into those too, but he wants to know <laughs> goblins and ghouls right now. He really is. He's so into pretty girls. There's this cute, cute manager at the So Delicious that's by us. This, you know, where I get my daily caffeine fix there. And her name's Ashley. And when she's not there, he always goes, Hey, where's the girl? Where's the pretty girl he's so mad if it's anybody else he's like he wants the pretty girl who can blame him gotta love him but you know what he's just glad zombies are fake and nobody cares about your kids i think we're all grateful for that yeah uh okay eric's also gotta get in bookie with it na 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 okay the power of habit by charles duhigg duhiggy duhiggy (laughs) this book is crazy talks about habits obviously the power of them why they happen and what it takes to to make them happen and he talks about on a personal level and then more on a social level like big social changes but one uh, part that i really liked is it talks about this kind of like a routine it's like a social habit loop and there's a cue which is something that stimulates you to remember to do a routine and then there's a reward. Those three things have to be there for a habit to form. But I would like to point out that the reward isn't always a positive reward. No. Right? No, this, yeah, you're absolutely right. But also, I, I guess why I'm pointing it out is that I think with habits a lot of times, and this is going to be applicable to our episode, yeah. is that a lot of our habits bring us rewards that are negative rewards that make us miserable. But those rewards get us something that we want, like connection or attention, or, right. or they make us feel significant 
resentment. Yeah. It gives us a reward, but in a negative way. Sure. Okay, but you can read your quote uh, and I'll the, stop interrupting. So it says, if you want to start running each morning, it's essential that you choose a simple cue, like always lacing up your sneakers before breakfast or leaving your running clothes next to your bed. That's what I do. I have my running clothes in a certain spot. Mm-hmm. And a clear reward, such as a midday treat, a sense of accomplishment from recording your miles, or the endorphin rush you get from a jog. Like you, your reward... Mm-hmm. is logging things. You you like that, right? Because you're, uh, al- you're always putting it in your phone. Like- yes. Yeah, it definitely is part of the reward that I'm logging it. I think it's also part of the habit because yeah. the reward for me is I use, and I've mentioned this before, it's called the five-minute journal. And again, we're going to link to Eric's book. We'll link to the five-minute journal. The reward for me is at the end of the day, I think when I go to sleep tonight, am I going to feel better having done this? Right. So that's kind of how I think of my rewards is I'm very achievement and a accomplishment based and if I know that I've exercised I, I'm going to feel more accomplished which is my reward and do you, you do you crave that reward yes so that's why I crave all the rewards so that's and that's that's what, that's the difference between a habit and then just like a fling with a new something new because mm-hmm. it says but countless studies have shown that a cue and a reward on their own aren't enough for a new habit to last only when your brain starts expecting the reward or craving the endorphins or sense of accomplishment, will it become automatic to lace up your jogging shoes each morning? I think it's the craving the endorphins. Exactly. Too. So you yeah. need to, to do this enough where you start craving the reward where it actually becomes a habit or else it won't last. I think that's awesome. And I love the book Better Than Before by Gretchen Rubin about habits. And so when Eric started reading this book, what's it called again? The Power of Habit. The Power of Habit. I was like, oh, well, I've already read one book about habit. I'm going to let Eric read this. But as He's had me listen to some sections from the book and especially the parts about social change. Yeah, it's it's, it's mind-blowing. It's been really mind-blowing. So I'm excited to also read the book in more depth because I guess you can't read too many books about habits because nope. they are what control our lives. There you go. Okay, thank you for that. Getting bookie with it, The Power of Habit. We have audible.com. You can get a free 30-day trial. And a free book. And a free book. And I think it's audible.com com forward slash awesome with allison there you go audible.com audible trial.com audible trial.com gosh we're good at pushing yeah. this affiliate yeah <laughs> i can i can just hear everyone's clicking on their computers yeah. typing that confusing we'll link ad. to it though it gets you a free trial if you want to use it and we love it but you know follow your heart do what you want to do we'll also link to it on amazon i like to have both copies and a digital and a yeah physical have, copy of the both. book yep. let's get into it six easy ways to make your to life make yourself miserable miserable you just wanted to take that away i think that you should start because here's okay. what we do is i don't know what he has written down i wonder if we have some of the same things written down okay this is from personal experience okay. and it is man it's challenging so i make my life miserable by not being content with physical possessions as illustrated by my studio so okay in my life i'm always planning the next thing i want to get oh and this And I realized that I will never be satisfied if I think this way. It's insatiable to always want to do more. Like you can do a million things to your house. But it's also, that's human nature. I know it is. Because growth. Or hoarding. I'm just saying like, there's always, it's not bad to like get things, but not being content with what you have has made me miserable. So not having gratitude? Yeah, but I mean, but I'm talking, yeah, but I'm talking (laughs) like physical things. Like I know I want that next, but when I get that next, I know there's more that I want. So it's Mm -hmm. not that I, it's not. How do you, how do you fix that? Oh, I've I've been working. Have you noticed I haven't bought anything for my studio in like eight months? Really? The big packages haven't been coming. Congratulations. Yeah. I don't pay much attention. So I'm sorry that I didn't give you more praise for that. That's I don't need it. I'm fine. But yeah. So I just realized to be grateful for what I have, realize that I have more than enough and it's okay to want more and better things, but it's, it's all starts just with your thought patterns and being content. Mm -hmm. So I was miserable just always wanting the next thing, knowing that, man, it's going to cost a lot to get that. You can't sustain that. And I think part of it has to do with uh, always trying to remember, you know, like our roots, like where we've come from, Uh right? Because I have a tendency to not be content with where I'm at in my business. Yep. 
Always. Always. Henceforth and forever. I'm never impressed. It's never big enough. Even after something has gone really well, well, it went well, but now I need to be worrying about this other thing, right? So it's that same idea of not being content with what you have. And I think if we're constantly framing our lives in a way that, okay, compared to where I started, this is actually awesome. Yeah. You know, like remembering how far I've come, which, you know, back to the title of Gretchen Rubin's book, Is It Better Than Before? That's progress. I have to acknowledge that progress. It's also interesting to know whenever you achieve something or go to the next level to notice how you feel. If you're not satisfied, you you would have wanted to be there, let's say a year ago. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be happy when I get there. And then when you get there, you're not happy. You would have wanted that new couch. You would have wanted that new fireplace, that new car. Exactly. So it has nothing to do with the actual possessions. It has everything to do with you being content. Yes. So if you want to be miserable, never be content with what you have. Just always, you know, you're always just trying to get the next thing. <laughs> so that's that's the first one. What's yours? What's your first one? Okay. My so number two for ways to make yourself miserable is don't tell people what you want. Expect everyone to guess. This is huge. <laughs> don't tell people what you want. Expect everyone to guess. I'm gonna call out my ladies on their mother friggin' birthdays. Women do this all the time. They don't want to tell people what they want. They expect everyone to guess. They expect everyone to do them for it, especially husbands. I can't believe how many women I've had a conversation with who are offended and mad that their husband didn't do something for an anniversary or didn't do something for their birthday. And I say, did you tell your husband? And they say, no. It must mean their husband doesn't love them. Their husband doesn't love them. Because they didn't spend time learning how to read minds. If you want to be miserable, you have to expect everyone to guess what you want all the time. And I have a way for you to get some bonus points on this. Yeah, how's that? Bonus points for being unclear of what you want yourself (laughs) and making it someone else's job to guess. That's amazing. And my experience with this comes from hiring people and working with people. Mm -hmm. And so often I realize that I hired people and I want help, but I don't tell them specifically what I want because I'm not sure what I want specifically. So they're in a position to never ever do it right because I don't even know what I want. And that's why at the beginning of this podcast, I say, hey, ask yourself, what's something that you want to change? Because I do that because I want you to get the most value out of this podcast possible. But I also do that because I cannot be responsible for making change in your life. I, Allison, cannot be responsible for making change in your life. You are responsible for identifying what you want to change. You're also responsible for implementing that change. So if you want to be miserable, don't tell people what you want and expect them to guess. And then for bonus points, don't define it for yourself and expect someone else to do it for you. Meaning listen to a podcast, buy a course, go to a workshop and say, I don't even know what my problem is, but I want someone else to tell me what it is and I want them to fix it. That is a recipe for misery. And I get that you can say like, but I know there's a problem and I don't know what it is. Like that's a frustrating place to be in. Like I know I need to hire people for certain things, but I'm not even sure like how to verbalize those positions. So what do you do in that situation is the only thing you can do, which is trial and error. You have to try something. You can't get stuck in the conundrum, you know, theory, just living in theory situation. Yeah. But I think, you know, back down to the more concrete item of your birthday is people think, well, it's no fun if I have to tell people what I want. They should know. Yeah. But how how will they ever know if you don't even give them a starting point? Like a freaking bone. Like throw them a freaking bone. So when Eric and I first got married, I said, hey, I really like flowers. And I will expect flowers on Valentine's Day and our anniversary and my, my birthday. birthday. And I'm pretty sure I'm 100% since You're 100%. And here's what's fun is I never now, I understand that I'm lucky and I'm blessed and I'm grateful, but I did make my expectations very clear. And every, for my birthday, I got flowers this year. It was my birthday last week. And I told him that so long ago, I forgot. You you know, I forget that I've even told him, but I did tell you. Yeah, I'll never forget that. It's just a habit now. He's made it a habit. The reward of seeing your bright eyes and smile. (laughs) 
But if you want to be miserable, don't tell people what you want. Expect them to guess and also never define it for yourself. And I do that all of the time. Anyone who's ever worked for me can do an amen, but I am trying to be better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, number three. All right. Using your phone instead of being with yourself and other people. Whoa. We have trained ourselves to be rewarded when we incessantly check our phones to see comments, likes, and the potential good email. But instead, we are becoming slaves to our phones, which take away our attention and love from those in our life right now and from those in the future we might meet. So this is a huge part of everyone's life, I believe. And I've gone through like complete withdrawals where I deleted Facebook, Instagram, got that app tracking or got my phone tracking app to kind of wean me off the phone. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's night and day. If you let, if your phone is your um, main go-to for any uncomfortable situation, for any boredom, mm-hmm. you will be miserable. When you finally look up and look around at your life, your kids are right there, your loved ones are right there, your hobbies that you're neglecting are there. And uh, now that I've cut back and and have tried, like I'm intentionally trying to use my phone as a tool instead of as a comfort item. Mm-hmm. It's been. I feel like I'm way more in control of my life, and my I I can see that my relationships. You don't get are mad at the kids as much. Yeah, totally. Because my phone isn't in my hand all the time. I have noticed for me, I've made a very concerted effort to not check Instagram, email, even text messages before I've got my day started. Meaning I've got the kids to school. I've either done exercise or I've read some scripture, some spiritual work. I've prayer. I've done some meditation. My work, my agenda, what I want to do. This happened twice last week where I just innocently checked a direct message or I innocently checked an email and they were things I got worked up about, not because they were necessarily negative, but because like, oh, now I need to go do this and I need to get this in check. And it made me not as present with the kids. It made me not as present with you. It set the whole tone for my day as frantic. And I did it, you know, let's say on Tuesday and I was like, man, I noticed a huge difference. Do not do that again tomorrow, Allison. And I did it again the next day. (laughs) And it happened again, but I said, oh, I'm not going to check my email, but I ended up just hopping on Instagram to see, oh, I wonder if this picture, if people liked it, does anybody like me? And then I got a direct message and the direct message made me feel like it was something urgent that I had to respond to because once you check that freaking direct message, there's no way to save it and you have to respond right that minute. Terrible. And it really, really changed my whole day. Do you know what I'm doing now? What? Last night I bought a $150 alarm clock, which like lights up like the sun and has nature sounds. Okay. Because I'm I'm gonna take the phone out of the room when I sleep. Yes. That's my next step. I know that sounds extreme, but I'm excited to try it. No, that's this out. what Mel Robbins talks about in her five second rule. She says, get it out of the out of the bedroom. Out of the bedroom. Yeah. It's but like, I like to read my scriptures and I like to read like Hey, you know what? Different things on my phone. What you do you should. think about that? You should. I think everyone this is the thing. There's no But you do too. So what so yeah. what are you doing? You're making yourself get out of bed to do it. Yeah. But I'm just saying before I go to bed, my phone is not gonna be in the room. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just not it's not gonna control me in a way and this isn't for everyone this is just how i'm viewing my situation yeah to make my life better yeah i just want to put it out there and let an alarm clock wake me up instead and then i'll go out i just want the bedroom for me when i sleep to be phone free it's just another step in taking control this man's in control of his life but if you want to be miserable just be a slave to your phone you know when you wake up get on your phone check out see what everyone thinks about you do it all the time when you go to bed right before you go to sleep check it again that'll make you miserable and what's your next one okay that was awesome that was number three i have number four as think your problems are special and that your problems make you special Ooh. Mm. so more. here's more. here's what i mean by that if you think your problems are special and unique and nobody else in the whole world has a problem like you what does that do it makes the problem part of your identity your problem is special therefore you are special one of the greatest tendencies in human nature is to protect and keep things that we uh, associate with our identity so if your problem is part of your identity are you more likely to want to solve your problem and rid yourself of your problem or are you more likely to hold on to that problem and let it define you you're more likely to hold yeah. on to the problem and let it define you yeah. so when you think your problem is unique and special it does a lot of different things one it makes you less likely to look for resources it makes you less likely to think anybody has any information or input that they could give you 
And two, it makes it part of your identity. And then not only is your problem so unique and special, your problem starts to make you unique and special. This is something that I realized with my anxiety. Mm. So as human beings, we have different emotions or different states that are our habits. So we've been watching this show alone. We are watching it on Hulu. And there are these contestants and they go out into the wilderness. And I've been researching and studying a lot about the states that we live in as humans and emotions and different things like that because I want to be a more effective teacher. And that's part of being a more effective teacher is helping people change their mental state. Anyway, beside the point, as we watch alone, it's so interesting to notice people who get mad, get mad. People who are positive, stay positive. People who are serious and contemplative, stay serious and contemplative, regardless of what happens. And I'm sure you can think of people like that in your life and you can think of the emotions that you live in. And for me with my anxiety, I really, really, and I'm gonna do a whole episode about the the strides I've made with my anxiety this year because I've been getting a lot of questions about it. Mm -hmm. But with my anxiety, when my anxiousness becomes part of my identity, I'm I'm not as willing to let it go. That's true. And so, like I said, it goes back to that never being content. Well, even if everything went well, let's say something doesn't go well with like my past workshop, something doesn't go well, I can be anxious about that. But if everything goes well, what do I have to be anxious about? Uh, The next one. I just make something up. Yeah. Yeah, Because that anxiousness becomes a habit. It becomes a part of my identity. And I want to take this even one step further. And then I think it's a good time to break and talk about my courses. This is something that I've really, really noticed in working with so many students this year on their businesses and brands and also in selling these courses is the number one question I get from people is, will this work for for me, even if I explicitly say, hey, if you're a person who does hair and you live in a community and there aren't a bunch of influencers who live by you, there's still ways to take these principles and make them work for you. Somebody will say, yes, but I'm a photographer. Will this work for me? And at my workshops, I'll literally be on stage. And by on stage, I mean in my clam <laughs> saying, a specific example about somebody who makes a baby product and somebody who makes a journal product will come up with the exact same question and say, yeah, I know it worked for the person with the baby product. But will it work for me? But will it work for me? And so I've kind of been beating my head against the wall. Like, I can't, these are universal principles. So yes, they will work for you. And then I thought, why is it that everybody wants their problem to be unique and special? And I think it's a couple of things. One, you want somebody to tell you how to fix your problem specifically. Yes, I heard heard you say it in terms of a hairdresser, but I want you to hear you say it in terms of a photographer. And it's because it goes back to that episode of nobody knows what to do. Everybody's making it up. Mm-hmm. People don't want to believe that everybody's just making it up. And, and But what I mean by making it up is you're taking laws and principles that are positive and have yielded positive results and applying them to your situation. Yeah. And it's because our problems, they give us a sense of significance and identity. Right. And I'm not saying that to throw shade on anybody who's asked me a question. And I also don't want that to keep anybody from asking me questions. I want you to ask, is this right for me? I had a woman who does um, an MLM, a direct sales company say, hey, is this good for MLMs? And I was like, yes, actually, here's this person and this person who have an MLM and it's great. My courses are great for them. I'm not saying don't ask me questions. I'm just saying I get to stand back and see this overarching picture of what are the most common questions people ask. And the most common question people ask is, is but will this work? But for me? will this work for me? And so I've been thinking, why? Why is that the most common question? Because I feel like I've accurately said this works for everyone, but people want to believe that they're the exception. Uh, do you know what this reminds me of? What? Do you remember the grinder? Yes. With Rob Lowe? Yes. Remember how Fred Savage's brother always said, no, that's not going to work. There's no way that will work. And Rob would, he'd always say, but what if it did? But what if but it, what if it could? <laughs> And in no way am I saying, oh, my courses will help every single person in the entire planet, but I kind of think they will. (laughs) Because they're based in relationships. 
And you know what? There definitely are specific things. Well, that- there, you, there's so much content. There's so much good stuff. Yeah. That there's some, there is something for everyone aside from the timeless principles in it. And like- that's true. But but aside from that, taking it back to number three, if you want to be miserable, believe that your problems are unique and special. And I want to give myself as an example of this again. This is something that I have believed with the work that I do. So, oh my gosh, here I am saying everybody has this problem. This is the exact problem I have where I go, okay, but how do I find help with this? Because it's the Allison show and it's my writing and I'm the best copywriter in the entire world (laughs) and I have nobody who could possibly ever help me. Am I the only person who's a good writer who has um, a brand and a business with them as the central character? I mean, you'd like to think so. But hi, Oprah. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ellen. Hi, any comedy writer or SNL sketch writer. Like, again, I love situations where I can make myself on the same level as Oprah, but (laughs) (laughs) when I think that my problems are unique and special and that they make me unique and special, it sets me up to be miserable because it means I cannot find solutions and it means there's no way to overcome it and it becomes a part of my identity and it's my human nature to fight and hold on to things that make me feel significant and have identity. So now I do want to share some really fun reviews I've been getting about my courses. So the audio courses are for people who want to build an empire. What's an empire? I define empire as do you have a message? Do you have a product? Do you have an idea that you want to grow? If yes, then these audio courses are going to help you. There's two audio courses, and one is how to work with influencers to grow your business, and the other audio course is how to work with brands to build your empire. Now, I think the best thing to do is to get them as a bundle, which is why I created the bundle, because seeing both sides of the story is so helpful, and that's what most people have done, is they've gotten the bundle, and people have been really, really happy with that. But I wanted to share different types of people so that you can hear someone and relate to someone. And I thought this was a really cool review from Jill of Jill K Fitness. So Jill K Fitness, I'm obsessed with her. I do her workouts all the time. She has these great little workouts on Instagram. She also just opened a gym called station. Cool. Something. She opened a gym. She sells these Fit Blasts, like these launches online that have a meal plan and exercise. She also just has a phenomenal sense of humor. She's one of the funniest people I've I've honestly ever met. And so she does so many different things. She has a gym. She sells digital products. She does one-on-one clients. So she's a service, a bricks and mortar store, and has product that she sells. So that's why I thought she was an awesome example. She listened to the courses and here's what Jill had to say. I've been in this social media game for over four years as both an influencer and a brand. Over time, I've lost some steam and didn't know which direction to take things. Listening to Allison's courses gave me new insight and helped fan that fire I had when I started my business. I was reminded we all have a place in this world, and if I have a passionate message to share with others, there are people who definitely need to hear it. Awesome. Allison starts crying. I would highly recommend these valuable courses to anyone who wants to work with brands or influencers to promote their companies. I loved that. Thank you, Jill, so much for sharing that because you do do it all, Jill. And will will it work for you? Jill is a fitness person who, again, has a gym, sells product, does it all. I'm glad she thinks they work for her. But honestly, what touched me the most is that she was reminded that if she has a message to share, that people need to hear it. And that truly is the message that I hope people leave the courses with is if you feel called to build it, freaking build it. And I don't just want to tell you to freaking build it. I want to give you tactical tools for how to build it. So I have another review that I want to read that talks about that, about specific numbers. So this is from my girl, Danny Marie Crum. She is amazing. She has been an influencer for years. I've seen her at tons of conferences. So that's why I really value her review because I know she's attended a lot of conferences and courses. And Danny said, these classes were amazing. Finally, somewhere where I could find concrete numbers and concrete examples. So again, these courses are not just to inspire you. They have concrete numbers and concrete examples. I'm gonna keep reading Danny's review. I can't believe how much in-depth information that seems taboo to talk about other places was talked about. I learned so much and received so much validation in things I'm already doing, so I'm so much more confident and I can't wait to implement new things in my business. So Danny has nearly 40,000 followers on Instagram. At the beginning of this episode, I shared an example 
article from my new friend, Practical and Pretty. She has 1,800 followers on Instagram. So she's closer to just getting started, but is doing amazing. She's the one who said, I've listened to the courses. I already have three partnerships underway with 1,800 followers. I think that's amazing. And Danny, who has nearly 40,000 followers on Instagram, is also finding value. She's feeling more confident and she's getting concrete numbers and concrete facts that she hasn't been able to get at other conferences. So whether you're a beginner or whether you've been doing this for years, I believe that these courses will add value to your life. And let me tell you the number one reason I did these courses, nobody talks about the specific numbers and the specific ways to reach out to people and to email people and to collaborate with people. And the reason people don't talk about it is like Danny said, it can seem really taboo. You don't want to share numbers. You don't want to share prices. But I thought it was so important to open the conversation because everybody's confused. Everybody's self-conscious and everybody feels unsure of how to work with the other people. And that leads to people getting taken advantage of. That leads to unset expectations. And, And it also leads to people playing the game poorly. Yeah, It leads to people thinking that they have to buy followers and they have to buy likes or they have to promote their products in spammy, like really aggressive ways Mm -hmm. because they think there's no other way. Right. So I see this as a positive alternative to spammy, aggressive, taking advantage of people type of business into doing business with intention, love, passion, but also that makes a lot of money and grows you. Yeah. Because that's important. So you can check those courses out. (laughs) Yes, I'm the sponsor of allisonsbrandschool.com. And even if it's after November 17th, head to allisonsbrandschool.com because I'm going to be adding a lot of cool information there. And that's where I'm going to be sharing updates about the the branding workshops that I do. So it's allisonsbrandschool.com, Allison with one L, and you have till November 17th to get these courses at their introductory price. And if these are not applicable to you at all, I want to thank you for letting me, you know, talk about the work that is paying for the business and paying for this podcast and feeding our family and... All right, let's hop into reason number four. <clears throat> I think this is five. Oh, it's number five. Okay, number five, Eric. What's number okay, this, five? This wraps up everything for me. It I have one more. I know you're six. I'm just saying okay. for me, this wraps up. The most miserable I've ever been is when you're not present. I know we've talked about this before, but always anticipating the future and like kind of like white knuckling the present moment until you get there, it really sucks for your family. It really sucks for people who are close to you because you're not there. You just want, you're so ready. You're so, you think that the future is going to solve your problem or you just need to get somewhere and you're, you're mm-hmm. waiting for something. That has made me the most miserable. And that's been the biggest focus of this year is being present, mm-hmm. not living in the future, not living in the past, but being here now. And it is so difficult to train yourself to do that. And I'd say both of our favorite book on that subject is The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Yeah, for sure. I used to find myself just like hanging out with my kids, but I was anticipating something or I I wanted to get this project done. And so I was just living in the future where I was getting that done and then, then everything would be okay. But while I'm doing that, my kids are in front of me. Their dad's not paying attention to them. I'm not invested in Allison. And so, and then I'm miserable because I don't know why things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... I think our tendency is to live in the future, both of us. Yeah. But some people's tendency is to live in the past. Right. And think I was doing better than, or this was easier than, or live in the past dwelling on negative things that they can't change, negative things that have happened to you. Like I said that, and what are all these people thinking? That's Mm -hmm. that's living in the past. Yeah. And so uh, living in the past can very often lead to depression and depressive states, and living in the future leads to more of that anxiety and anxious states right but being in the present means you're not fighting it's like a surrender it's like a release yeah you're just right here you're you're inside your body you're here and present and Eckhart Tolle says that the future actually doesn't exist and the past actually doesn't exist your mind wants to project those things to make itself relevant Mm -hmm. but the only the only time is right now that's the only thing that actually exists and that's where true joy and happiness is is right now but he also says that suffering doesn't exist in the present moment which i can be like okay if this horrible thing has happened i'm suffering in the present and he his argument is that if you don't accept things if you're not accepting it yeah suffering comes from not accepting things in the present moment yeah and obviously things happen to us in our life that we don't want to accept but i've definitely found even when really painful things are going on taking a moment to take a deep breath and center myself in the present moment and then have gratitude for the things that are still there in the present moment can help 
ease the suffering. So if you want to be miserable, don't live in the now. <laughs> just, a, just a tip. Don't live right now. <laughs> don't do it. Okay. And uh, another easy way to be miserable, easy way number six to be miserable is ignore your intuition and base everything in logic. Mm. This is something I've been thinking a lot about as I've been teaching branding workshops, as I've been doing my audio courses and a little bit more of a business focus for these last couple months and really thinking about the power of intuition in business and the power of intuition in our lives. Intuition lies outside of our focus and everything in business, people want everything in business and in life a lot of times to be measurable. People want to see ROIs, you know, return on investment. They want to see specific numbers. They want to see growth. And so in the past and over the past centuries, we have a, we as a society and we of a culture have moved towards all things that can be measured. Or quantified. And quantified, exactly. Where in the past, societies and cultures were much more okay with that spirituality and, and whether you're okay with the word spirituality or not, but with intuition, things that cannot be measured and cannot be quantified. 98% of your brain is not in use, right? It's like the 98% of your brain, the 2% of your brain filters the 98% of your brain. Mm -hmm. So uh, the way that I think that it really started resonating with me when I you know, heard some of these facts and you know, learning about the brain and how how we use the brain is that there's if we're not using our intuition it's like we're ignoring the majority of our brain we're ign ignoring the majority of our our thought processes and only focusing on the two percent of the brain that puts things into quantifiable measurable boxes that we can comprehend exactly so when you're ruling out your intuition you're ruling out so much and i just want to share two things that i've done based on intuition this year the podcast and the courses mm-hmm now, obviously, it's easy to share things that have turned out well. I do a lot of things based on intuition that <laughs> that that turn into nothing. That you learn from, though. That I learn from. But the podcast and the courses were 100% and the workshop, yeah. for that matter. Everything I've done this year has been intuition-based because it was fighting against everything that was quantifiable for me for last year. I just imagine how much I would have missed out on if I had looked at the podcast in a quantifiable terms and not my intuition because it didn't make sense to start the podcast because are we making money on the podcast? What does the podcast do? What does the podcast serve? Is anybody going to listen to the podcast? It takes time from Eric. It takes time from me. But I just had this feeling that, and for me, it was a spiritual feeling, but that's that's how I quant, that's how I look at my intuition is it's intuition and it's mixed with with spiritual feelings. But I just felt this push to do it, that it was important to talk and important to share, and that the impact that I was hoping to make in the world, this podcast could be a big part of it. And I get always emotional all the time because that's just how I live my life over here. <laughs> but I get emotional thinking about it because I was interviewed for this magazine thing the other day and they said, what is the thing that you're most proud of in your business? And I said, the podcast. And not because it's made any money or has made some top iTunes chart. The reason I'm the most proud of the podcast is because of the feedback we get from you guys because of the emails and the reviews. And again, that's not why we're doing it. We're not doing it based on the your outcome. But man, that's what makes me proud is knowing that it's touching people, knowing that it's effective, knowing that, you know, my whole goal with The Allison Show is to help people feel they're awesome and to do something with it. I think even further, you have the, the saying, if you feel called to do it, freaking do it. That's intuition. That's not yeah. something quantifiable. You don't look yeah. at a business plan and say, you know what? Uh, car dealership makes sense for money. I'm going to go do it. No, mm -hmm. you, yours is way deeper. If you feel called, even if it doesn't necessarily make sense on paper. Yeah. My career does not make sense on paper. I'll tell you that right and, now. And my career didn't make sense on paper for 10 years. The Allison show did not make sense for 10 years. You guys, it was not until this year that it started to really make sense to me. And I think that's why I feel so passionate about helping people do what they feel called to do. And not just from a business sense, but from a life sense, because it honestly brought me so much pain and suffering and struggle and anguish and heartache for 10 years, feeling like there was this thing that I was supposed to be doing. And like, I was just failing because I wasn't doing it. 
habit. I still can feel that way if I let myself fall back into the habit, but I have to force myself to stop and say, I'm so much closer than I was before. Mm -hmm. So if you want to be miserable, ignore your intuition. Only do what's good on paper. (laughs) Only do what's good on paper. Only do what people want from you or expect of you. Only do what isn't going to disappoint other people. If you feel called to do it and want to be miserable, don't do it. And so to recap, six easy ways to make yourself miserable. Number one, never be content with what you have. Eric, always wanting new studio equipment. Number two, don't tell people what you want. Expect everyone to guess. Bonus points, don't know what you want yourself. Yeah. (laughs) And expect other people to tell you and do it for you. Number three, be a slave to your phone. Let that little screen rule your life, which I think in a way is letting other people's expectations rule your life. Yep. Right? Number four, think your problems are special and that your problems make you special. You're the only one this bad thing could have happened to. And that's actually backed up with research in terms of grief. I've talked about this before. One way that grief is more permanent and people do not get over grief is that they believe it's personalized, that it happened to them personally and that it's never happened to anyone else. Realizing that you're not the the only one struggling, you're not alone, that there's connection and help out there. That is one of the top ways to start to heal. And number five is don't be present, be living in the past or be living in the future. And number six is ignore intuition. Just do things that look good on paper. Just do things that make sense logically or are going to yield the most results. So those are six easy ways to make yourself miserable. And we hope that you're not miserable. (laughs) We we don't want it. We don't want you to be miserable. This, this, this is how we've been miserable. So don't join us on this. Yeah, don't join us. And and we really, really, really hope that hearing these things that we all do, that I'm sure I'll even do later today, right? Like there, I'm sure that I'll for sure. Yeah, 100. percent We fall into these habits every day. But you know, having that awareness is is one way. People ask very often. A question we get is, how do I become more self aware? Is examine your behavior try to be objective about it and ask yourself am I doing these things that will make me miserable and I think it's really easy to listen to us talking about six ways to make yourself miserable and think about all the people you know in your life and be like "Ooh, my mom does that or "Ooh, my neighbor (laughs) does that I want you to take that finger and turn it right back around on yourself that's how to be self-aware you don't think about the things everyone else is doing wrong you think about the ways that you can change and you can improve. And so speaking of how much I love the podcast, how grateful I am for the podcast, Eric is going to share some reviews. And here's the coolest thing is with the iTunes update, you can leave a review on your phone. You no longer have to log on and get on your desktop. So Eric's going to read a review. And when we read your review as a thank you, we send you a I'm doing awesome Tumblr and a new Shack CD and all of our love. And for those of you whose reviews we don't get to read, I want you to know I spent like a good half an hour reading reviews and crying the other day, just really reading reviews and sobbing, being so grateful for the words that you guys are leaving. And also sharing is caring. Uh, You can share about the podcast by texting it to a friend, click on those three dots, take a screenshot of it, share with us on Instagram. And I try to respond to everybody who shares. And if I miss you, I apologize. Share again and I will keep trying because we really do appreciate it. If she misses you, she's busy being present. Thank you. can't be mad at her. This one's from S. Nyland. And I don't know, this might be Stephanie Nyland. Our friend? It could be. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If you are her, we love you. If you're not, we still love you. We love everybody. I like it. She says, here's the problem with Awesome with Allison. All the content is so valuable that I don't feel like I can listen to it while doing housework or driving in my car. I really need to have a pen and paper and contemplative time for all the wonderful insight, wisdom, and ideas Eric and Allison share each episode. Confession. I don't do this. Instead, I continue to listen while doing other things because they are so enjoyable that I keep choosing their podcast over others. But I do have the best of intentions to return to some episodes and take those notes. And I kind of actually do care about their kids. What I like about this is... I I think we know her and we love her, but also this just testifies again how great audio courses are. You can do anything while listening to audio. Oh, way to bring 
bring it back to hey, my courses. I'm just saying, like, the audio courses are the way of the future. Well, and what I did for the audio courses, and it's something I hope to do for the podcast, and thank you so much for that amazing review. We appreciate it so much. Send us an email at awesomewithallison at theallisonshow.com to give us your address. But what we think it's Stephanie, but maybe it's not Stephanie. But what she's pointing out is when you're listening during audio, you wish that you had notes. And that's one thing I did with the courses is they're audio courses, but we took notes for you and then also left you space to take your own notes. And that's something I hope to do with the podcast in the future is to have more outlined note sections that you guys can get as downloads. So I'm saying that out loud. So I'm holding myself accountable to working on that for you probably in 2018. That's something I think would be awesome. But man, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Don't let yourself from doing something good because it's not perfect. And that's what we've tried to do with the podcast. So again, we want to thank you. We appreciate your time. We appreciate your reviews. We appreciate you sharing. We appreciate you listening. Do you feel appreciated? I hope you feel appreciated. I do. (laughs) Eric feels appreciated. I want to remind you that only you can be you and you're already as awesome as you need to be. Eric, take us out on a song. This is called Heart in the Rain by New Shack, and this was actually featured on MTV's Awkward. Ooh. A show that I've never seen. Good for you. Enjoy. Enjoy.